Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. So today we're going to go to Toronto, Ontario, Canada to talk to Luke Anderson and his organization called Stop Gap. So welcome, Luke. Where did you go to school? Yeah, hey, Peter. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. Great to connect with you. I, uh, so I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I, I grew up in Stouffville, went to high school there. Um, and uh, after graduating from high school, I went to the U- University of Waterloo, and I got my civil engineering degree. At, uh, at Waterloo, yeah. What about your work experience? Where did you work? Yeah, well, I, I had some really great co-op opportunities throughout my, my five years at Waterloo. So it, it was a co-op program, and that's what attracted me to, to the program. So I learned a lot about uh, the structural engineering field. Uh, I lear- learned a lot about what I didn't want to get into, um, and uh, I also learned what I was most interested in, and that was uh, the structural design realm of, of civil engineering. Um, so, so I worked I worked uh, at a couple of firms, a, a small, uh, very small firm, uh, starting in two thousand four for a couple of years and then I, I started working for Blackwell Structural Engineers uh, in uh, 2005, I believe. Um, and I worked for Blackwell for, for, I believe, almost eight years, yeah. So we worked, uh, worked on um, larger, I, I worked in the residential design department but also Worked on uh, institutional buildings and larger, larger, uh, larger pro- public buildings. So uh, we gained a lot of experience and and uh, also gained an understanding about where I wanted my energy to to be directed. My time and energy was going towards these projects that were fun to problem solve and. Uh, work with a great team on, and I was recognizing that a lot of the projects that I was working on had no consideration for accessibility and didn't really incorporate any barrier-free design uh, elements. So that 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 was a a realization that uh, was a bit of a bit of a painful one, but also filled me with uh, some real insight and. Yeah, the big light bulb went off in, I guess, 2013. Yeah. So why accessibility? Why was that important to you? Yeah, well, I, uh, I've been using a power wheelchair uh, as a result of a spinal cord injury that I sustained in 2002. So I... 
identified as a as a gifted athlete um, before that fateful day in uh, in Oct- late October of 2002 when my my life changed in a split second and and I yeah it was all of a sudden introduced to a world that's really not well suited for someone that uses a, a mobility aid like like a wheelchair um, so so yeah o- over time I became increasingly frustrated with not being able to access spaces that um, I really wanted to access. Uh, and I, I was noticing that it wasn't just me that was feeling these frustrations with not being able to access space. Other people like parents pushing strollers and delivery people and the elderly, uh, people with, with temporary disabilities due to maybe an injury or an illness. Um, and and I slowly started to realize that we're all connected to this big issue uh, in some capacity, whether it be, uh, you know, a, a situation regarding parenting or career path or, um, or injury or, or simply the natural aging process. We're all, we're all connected to this, this big issue. And I wanted to do something about it. So there's another organization in Toronto that had the same kind of thing is called Access Now. And uh, they do some amazing stuff. Yeah, Access Now is a, I'm I'm close friends with uh, the founder and CEO, Mayan Ziv, who has been doing uh, some real heavy lifting in, in raising awareness and building a platform that allows all of us easy access to important accessibility information. Yeah. Yeah, so so having access to um, information about a venue is really is really important and valuable. Uh, you know, from my own experience visiting a space um, and 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 you know finding myself being surprised at the level of access that I that I witnessed compared to what I was told, say over the phone. Um, any opportunity to reduce those uh, uh, to reduce those situations of surprise and disappointment is uh, it holds a lot holds a lot of value. So access now is opening up the the door for people to contribute this important information and uh, collect imp- really really valuable data on accessibility information pertaining to locations uh, around the globe. Okay, so let's turn to your organization. Stop Gap. What is Stop Gap? Yeah. Well, building on what I was sharing before, I, I wanted to do something about these realizations that I was having. Uh, I wanted to convert the frustrated energy that I was uh, holding around not being able to access space. I wanted people to really start to understand the value of having a space that everyone can access. Um, I wanted people to realize that as Canadians, we have a human right to equal access. And I wanted to start inspiring people to think about really 
really great ideas that could help overcome some of the big access issues that we face in our communities today. And so together with a, a coworker of mine, Michael Hopkins, at the time, back in 2011, we, uh, we pulled together some friends and volunteers and some donated building materials, and we built 13 brightly painted, uh, custom-suited uh, ramps for, for locations with a single-stepped entryway in, in uh, Toronto's uh, Junction neighborhood. And, and so the intention at that time, and, and continues to be our intention, is to draw attention to to the uh, to a single stepped entryway, and and hopefully spark a, a discussion, a conversation, um, some awareness, build some awareness about the uh, the um, the issue of, of of access barriers. So beginning with that that moment of maybe recognizing this brightly painted ramp with stopgap.ca stenciled right on it. So people, if they wanted, learn more about what this brightly painted ramp is all about. They can go to the website and learn more. Um, we, we set out with that intention and didn't really think that it would be something that we'd be doing beyond those first 13 ramps. Um, but we quickly realized that after those ramps being out for a short period of time, everybody loved them. The business owners loved them, the, the, their customers and the residents in that community really, really embraced them. And so that told us that we needed to bring our project to more communities. Uh, so that was back in 2011. And since then, um, we have been uh, putting ramps on the ground in over 60 uh, Canadian communities. And I, I believe that we're getting close to about 2,500 ramps um, all over Canada. So, so this is clearly something that is, is needed. Um, it's something that is helping raise awareness and bringing people into a new found understanding about the importance of accessibility. It's helping shift perspectives. And, and what we're finding is that in some situations where a business owner or building owner, um, responds to us saying that they don't need a ramp because they don't have any customers that use wheelchairs. <laughs> we were starting to find that um, just by osmosis, they're, they're picking up on how important it is and how welcomed and embraced, say, the ramp that their neighbor has uh, uh, is. And so there's a, there's a trickle-down effect uh, the ramps speak for themselves. They help us raise awareness, and they they help shift the perspective of of that person or the 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 group of the population who just needs a little bit of help becoming more aware. So, Luke, you must have a team that help you do this. I do. Yeah, I do. I have. I we've got a, a real a real, really big community that we've been growing since that first ramp landed on the ground. Uh, now, yeah, over over 10 years ago, almost 12 now, hard to believe. 
we've amassed a, a huge support network of fellow advocates and volunteers and, and donors and corporate supporters, uh, all levels of, of government that we've been connecting with and working with and, and uh, consulting with. We have a very small uh, staff team, so just myself and another staff member who, who uh, work uh, hard at, at um, putting more ramps on the ground, converting those orders into, into ramps, running our programming in schools and, and our, our corporate team building programming in our, in our wood shop that we rent space out of at, at Queen and Spadina down here in Toronto. Uh, and, and the events that we coordinate. Um, we, we host an event every fall to help raise awareness and, and funds for, uh, for the organization. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. And uh, although we, we're a small, very small uh, paid staff team, we have many, many volunteers that, that chip in and help um, with many different aspects from making uh, making uh, video content to delivering ramps uh, all around the GTA, yeah. Luke, uh, Ian Forsyth has recognized your contributions. You may remember him. Yes, yeah, 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 we, uh, yeah. We, we 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 cherish our 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 supporters and um, there's yeah it's uh it, it's amazing to think of uh, the community that we've that we've assembled and I, I would have never imagined being where we are today back in 2011 and and I certainly would have never imagined being where we are today prior to that day when. I sustained my my injury. You know, like none of the things that I've been talking about at that time were were remotely on my radar. And and so I I, I grieve I grieve uh, a way of life that I lived prior to sustaining my injury. Definitely, there's that's a reality. And beside that, running in a parallel lane. I hold a lot of a lot of gratitude and appreciation for uh, the the privilege of being able to do the work that uh, that I do, um, uh, given my my lived experience today. You've got a great mission and a great passion, and that's what you need to to grow an organization. So I think you're going to make a difference in the future. So where do you see the organization three years from today? Well, ultimately what we'd like to do is just get more ramps on the ground to help raise more and more awareness. You know, it's through these disruptive technologies, these disruptive practices that help us as a society grow and evolve and, and learn it's a, a process that takes time. And the disruptive element is, is just a really necessary uh, practice in order to create the change that we want to 
that we want to see. Um, the the change that we want to see is is permanent uh, accessible infrastructure. So from transit to those small retail spaces in every community, all all over the country, if not the world, where you know instead of that stepped entryway, instead of the multi-stepped entryway, uh, instead of menus with just one format, we we are creating this this movement of change that will hopefully lead to a world where, regardless of your your situation, you're able to navigate your world with independence and spontaneity and empowerment so these ramps are temporary they're not a permanent fix but they're the disruptive element that will help get us to a place where people start to choose permanent permanent uh renovations if it's an existing building and and integrate really really fantastic accessible features in 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 their in their designs for for new new construction projects and building regulations that go, that go about uh, sorry go ahead building regulations can play a big part in that so yeah, advocating yeah. with the provincial and the local government yeah 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 building regulations uh, are a big part of that and we we have we have the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act here here in in Ontario, and we've got an Accessible Canada Act federally, um, and uh, in many cases, they both of those pieces of legislation point to the building code, which is the bare minimum when it comes to building practices, particularly when it comes to accessibility. So we need to make sure that we're listening to many different lived experiences of those with disabilities because in many cases those code provisions do not do not serve the needs of, of many people with disabilities so we need to, we need to make sure that um, we're working with builders that we're working with designers as well as the policymakers and 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 those in charge of uh, setting the standards to go above and beyond what what is uh, is, uh, is 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 specified in in the building code. Well, you have seventy two people running for mayor in Toronto, so hopefully one of them will uh, listen to what you're advocating for, and that would be indeed. So once again, Liv, what is the website? Website is stopgap.ca. You'll find it uh, stenciled on every stopgap ramp that that you that that you'll come across in different communities all all over Canada. Um, so so yeah, all everybody listening um, now or in the future, uh, please please visit Stopgap Foundation's website at, at stopgap.ca to learn more about what we're up to yeah well, thank you for your time this morning you're passionate and you're making a difference and you're giving back to community